All right. Hey, gang, this is Danny. And this is Molly. And you're listening to the Black Chick Lit Podcast. Woo! Woo! We are actually, we're really raring to go. We just finished <laughs> our bonus episode and we're just going right along. We're going right along. So some of us are going to be out of town. Um, Not me, because nothing ever happens in my life. What? You just had a beautiful little baby niece born. Super duper yeah, she's cute. Out of the hospital. She's so out of the hospital. Her um, adorable, but maybe not as well behaved all the time. Her <laughs> super early rising sister. Oh God! Did I tell you about that? You did. I told you, like my niece will visit me, and like she's like Danny. The sun's up, and like that's that's her reasoning for why we have to get up. She's like, sun's up, I'm up. Exactly. That's literally. Sorry, it. I don't get up. I don't know that's that a children. <laughs> Alexis, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> so yeah, so we are recording this after the bonus one, but you may not hear it right after the bonus. Yeah, one. so I, I think it'll be spreading out some content, spreading out some content, trying to trying to get them some things in the bag, so we're not leaving you out there like you know a neglectful deadbeat dad, like who's <laughs> gonna be like, I'll be there for your birthday, and then <laughs> doesn't show up. We just wanted to explain that in case something happens in the two weeks and you're like, why didn't they talk about that? It's because... Yeah, we're doing this a little bit early. Because I'm going to be in Mexico. Woo! I'm, I'm going to go to Vegas this summer. That's what I'm going to do. If you go to somewhere. Vegas, come see me. Come to LA. That's right. That's what I need to do. So we can like take some photos for the website so we can be like... Some serious podcaster. Exactly. You know. Mm. So. Speaking of... I want to say that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yesterday I went to um, RuPaul's Drag Con. <laughs> Is that what? It, okay. You kept saying Drag Con. And I just thought it was. I don't know who I thought was hosting it. But I'm like, oh, I guess that's a thing she does now. <laughs> so a friend of mine got tickets um, for my birthday. And she was like, you're the only one I know who watches this show. You want to go? I was like, yeah, sure. So we went and we saw like a whole bunch of people. We saw, we saw Shangela um, was probably the best one. She was like, I love your natural look. I was like, oh my God, you're so sweet. (laughs) And then we saw, um, we saw Alaska. We didn't see RuPaul because like he was not dressed up and he was like in this like weird little corner and to go over there, you had to stand in a two hour line. Oh, and then yeah. to take a picture, you had to pay sixty dollars, and to oh, get the double, yeah, no. <laughs> to get the picture autographed, you had to pay forty dollars on top of that. Stop! Get out of here! No, right? So, <laughs> so like, they were out there strong. Like, their money game was very strong. Most of the people, you had to pay like money to take pictures. So I did not take pictures, um, but um, I remember we were walking, and I saw like someone just like sitting off kind of like to the side and I was like holy shit that's Phoebe Robinson <laughs> so I was like there was only one person in line I, I swear to god these lines were so fucking long so I was like well yeah I'm gonna go up and talk to her like when else am I ever gonna be able to just walk straight up to Phoebe Robinson and be like hello so I walk- hey pod sis hey pod sis so I was like uh first of all she is so tiny like she's adorable and she had on this she really? yeah she had on this super cute like cut out dress and I was like I love your dress she was like it's from Zara I was like no shit I can't afford to <laughs> shop at Zara but I didn't you know I wasn't gonna say that I was like my clothes came from late Amazon 
but the old navy <laughs> lay old navy which actually frank is there right now buying like some flip-flops and stuff for our trip like we are not fancy over here so i was like zara yes i have bought clothes from zara <laughs> but um so of course i was like trying to practice self-promotion so she was like hello and i was like i have a podcast <laughs> she was like <laughs> She was like, excuse me. I was like, I have a podcast. <laughs> and she was so sweet. She was like, oh, that's really nice. She's like, what's it about? I was like, books. <laughs> and I did not say the name of the podcast. It's okay. So, you know. Next time. Next time I see Phoebe Robinson or Jessica Williams. If you don't know, so she wrote, um, what is it? You Can't, can't touch, touch My like- Hair. And then they do Two Dope Queens. Um, which if you haven't listened, it's really funny. Um, yeah, the full title is You Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain. I audibled it. You it did? Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, if you like black ladies talking, you're, you'll probably like that a lot. Uh, yeah. so that was, those are my tales for, oh, and I waited in line for 45 minutes for a euro. <laughs> <laughs> it better have been worth it. I was hungry, oh, so. I mean, that guy was going so slowly. Like, okay, so my boyfriend and his friends, they go to Comic-Con every year. Um, and uh, um, he writes for a website called Movie Boozer. You know, shout out to them. I don't know if anyone over there listens, but shout out to them. And so they get <laughs> press credentials. Like, he knows how to work a con. Like, he'll bring all his little snacks. He'll portion them out. He'll bring water, he'll bring sandwiches, like they map everything out. Like my friend's boyfriend, he goes too, and he wrote out like a little like list of things of what to do. And we were like laughing. We were like, we don't need this. How I showed y'all <laughs> how I wish I had a sandwich when I was standing <laughs> in that 90 degree weather watching oh, this God. man take 10 minutes to like put a tomato on a pita bread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. St. <sighs> so. Louis doesn't have cons, or if they do, they're very small. St. Louis is a big chess city. You guys have it that is. chess mansion. It is. Okay, so this is unrelated, but I'm glad you brought it up. So I work for an institution that has a chess team, mm-hmm. and one of our players played during that championship. So I was looking through like the press photos. Uh-huh. They are hilarious. First of all, they had commentators. <laughs> They had chess commentators who would like stand and give like as if it was like basketball or football. They're wearing blazers and they're talking about all the like the excitement and how close things are. And like the photography is just people leaning over a chessboard, like thinking really hard, Mm -hmm. like head to the hand to the forehead or hand in front of their face or like frowning or furrowed (laughs) brow. It was hilarious. It was like a view inside this other world, the chess world. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. See, I grew up in that world. You did. I okay. I know all the rules for chess, uh-huh. but I feel like there is something I don't, I don't get, or I need to work on, or I need someone like I need to learn like the strategy behind you it. You and me both. Like, yeah, I'm just moving pieces. I know how the pieces are supposed to move. I feel like I have to work on getting the thought behind how they move. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, my brothers yeah. are both nationally ranked. They would go to. They are. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You never told me. I never. Oh, Michael never told you. Yeah, they were really, really, really big into chess from a young age. Like, Alex would go to, um, that's my youngest brother, to St. Louis to that chess mansion. And I remember my mom, like, called him when she was like, how's it going? He was, like, in maybe 
third, fourth grader or something. He's like, good, I want some money. And she's like, okay, well, you can put it aside. He's like, I bought surf and tarp for everybody. <laughs> so, and I only say that because he had, um, you know, no front teeth. <laughs> He's a very gifted orator now. He would kill me if he knew I was talking about him like this, but I love him. That's the one brother I think I haven't met. You have not met him. You called him like our shadow brother or something. <laughs> So Danielle, my brother, and I all went to college together, and that's how we knew each and other. The only thing I remember about Alex is he said, like, every time he came to Mizzou, it was raining. So, like, he could never come because it was always raining and sad and dreary and sad. And so, yeah. But, yeah. But, oh, uh, wow. I don't even know how to bring it back from sad Mizzou. Well, let me tell you about this. We are talking about YA this, this time. Um, the hate you give. And I just want to ask you how much money you spent on your book. I'm so- you said tee it up for you. I know. I am ready. I am like, okay, I bought the print version of this book. It cost, I'm not complaining yet, it cost about $10, 11 mm-hmm. This is a 400-page book. It's about an inch thick. It has the dust jacket. It's really quality. Mm-hmm. I also bought Exit West mm-hmm. that has about 200 pages, dust jacket, everything. You know how much I paid for that? How much? $30. <gasps> $30? I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to support independent bookstores. So I went to Left Bank Books and I pre-ordered it and it was $28. And then after tax, it was about 30 bucks. Did and you I'm like fall out on the ground when they told you the price? I was like, ah, oh, shit, I regret this already. <laughs> and I'm sitting here when I ordered this, I was like, and I looked up a whole bunch of YA books. They are consistently, I don't know if they just know the demographic is poorer. And they're like, okay, we can't like charge all these kids all this money but like all these ya hardback books are like 16 15 dollars 10 dollars i mean and then you go look at these the adult hardback books they're like three times the price and i'm like what the hey it's too much i don't understand i'm really mad like this is i don't get it mm-hmm. i don't i'm just looking at it doesn't need to be 400 pages i will say that like it's just very airily laid out uh. so but yeah, I wanted to just express that because I don't, it has to be, I've listened, I think Book Riot touched on this in their podcast. There has to be some kind of pricing. They have to know what they can ask from the that age group before it gets ridiculous. Yeah. And that must be why it's cheaper. Now, granted, I could have gotten Exit West on Amazon for like $16. Mm. But I was, like I said, I was going to support an independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not supporting them that often. Because- See, but the thing is, I bet if you went to... Like, if they had, if they were selling a book on Amazon, because I know some bookstores do that, it would have been 16 bucks. At the store, yeah. Like, as a third-party seller? The, yeah. The third, the bookstore I go to, they pay full, like, whatever is on the jacket. Uh, they don't have any kind of discount, huh? No, they are, like, and then they try to, like, they have this whole little pamphlet on why the prices are higher and why you should support them, because, like, all this money goes back into the community and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And like, I get it and I believe in supporting it, but that's why I'm not buying the majority of my books through them because yeah. it's expensive. Very good. So, get thee to the library. Yeah. Their copy of The Hate You Give is $14 mm. and that's marked down mm. from 17 which is still cheaper than Exit West, which was, a, which was half the size of this book <laughs> and was $28. Oof. I did enjoy Exit West, but I just wanted to bring that up. Like, I don't, I guess they know their audience. So, yeah. 
We are reading YA. So as Molly said, this was by The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It was published February 28th. So still pretty new. Mm -hmm. It's already been picked up to be a movie featuring Amanda Steinberg. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, Rue from The Hate, from The Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. So I like her. She's woke. She's, she's woke. She does not put up with BS. No, she doesn't. So, and I think I'm someone called her Amanda once. She was like, that is not my name. Yeah. So her and, um, oh, what's the little girl who played Annie, who has the name? Oh, um, from Quavengine Wallace? Yeah, and she, like, yeah, and she called out some people for not saying her name properly mm -hmm. either. So I'm here for little girls putting people in their place. But yeah, so the title comes from Tupac. There was a lot of Tupac influence in this book. Mm -hmm. Which um, stands, so Thug Life. You mentioned this, I think, in the last episode when we discussed an extraordinary union mm -hmm. now i remember being really confused because i thought you were saying that suge knight <laughs> had thoughts about this book being titled after tupac uh -huh. and i think you were just explaining the tupac thing to me <laughs> i spent a good two minutes of that conversation like you're like what is should do should knight reads YA fiction i didn't know that so yeah so uh, the hate you give little infants fucks everybody the book goes into it we'll probably go into mm -hmm. it and so, yeah, this is our first, this doesn't really say much because we've only read like 10 books, but this is our first YA novel as a podcast. Mm -hmm. I have given YA so many chances. It's not for me, but we can get into that later. <laughs> Do you read a lot of YA? I don't. Yeah, this is probably the first YA I've read in a really, really, really long time. Yeah. I have read like all the big quote unquote big name YA. Mm -hmm. Um John Green's The Fault in Our Stars, which I abhorred. I hated that book. That's when I I wanted to throw it, but it was on my phone. So I just carefully threw my phone. I read three Rainbow Royale books, um Eleanor Park, Fangirl, Carry On. Oh, I think you've mentioned some of those before. Yeah, one to three stars between all of them. I've read there's some other thing I'm probably forgetting. I never read Harry Potter, I guess, which is the big YA title or Twilight. I read the first Twilight. You read, and yeah. We all did. They just got it, and I just I, I never I'm read Twilight. For it. I never read Twilight, but you've explained it in detail to me, and I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. And if we ever do like bonus bonus episode, I want you to explain the plot of Twilight because it was probably the funniest thing I ever heard. <laughs> I read it because, like, I remember I was an RA, and, like, I remember you see people when they move in, you see all their stuff. Uh -huh. And I remember, like, half our floor brought copies, and they're really pretty books. Mm -hmm. Half our floor brought copies of this book. So I'm like, what is this stuff they're reading? And then I went and read it because one of my coworkers recommended it to me. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is not good. But I feel like picking on Twilight at this stage. It, yeah, it's done. It's, it's been done. But some of the other ones that are, like, really popular, like, I didn't get – um. The Fault in Our Stars. I read Hunger Games. I guess that one was okay. But yeah, so I generally am not here for YA. And I'll, I'll go into it when we discuss our feelings on the book. But um, I just didn't know what Molly's feelings were toward it. Yeah, I don't... I just I just haven't read it. Like, so in our last... In, our, in the bonus episode, we talked about, um, you know, the first book that you ever loved. And we got a lot of, um, you know, kids' books suggestions. Mm -hmm. Um... A lot of them, I think, probably were from a time when YA wasn't really a thing. Like, there was children's lit, and then there was, like, everything else. Um, right. 
and some things that now we you probably would think of as YA um, weren't classified as YA back in the day. And the things that were kind of in that, I don't know if they call it like middle reader, they had some kind of weird name for it at our library, yeah. I remember. And it was kind of, it was kind of crap. Like it was kind of crap. It was like, uh, you know, a lot of movie tie-ins and stuff and just kind of a lot of bullshitty stuff. And I was kind of like, oh, huh? Yeah. A lot of series like Animorphs. Oh, okay. And- I'm sorry. <laughs> Animorphs was my jam. I fucking <laughs> loved those Animorphs. Okay, I'm sorry. I keep going. No, but I just remember, like, yeah, it was not as clearly, it was not clearly distinct a market term the way it is now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Twilight probably started that, and it, it yeah. made all that money, and then everyone was like, oh, hey, I could do that. Maybe, like, so. these really big name, big glossy ones, because I don't remember adults reading Animorphs when I was a kid. Like, it wasn't a thing for... No adults to really read you know children's lit and a lot of um I remember when I had an internship at school with a book publisher and um the publisher really didn't want her book to be classified she was calling you know young adult um because she said you know that'll really hurt her it'll put her you know in another part of the bookstore it wouldn't really be thought of critically and I just that even that wasn't even all that long ago. Like that was maybe 2008, 2009. Um, yeah. And just since, you know, probably Twilight and these big glossy, you know, turn into film, you know, make your author a superstar books weren't, weren't really a thing. I think when we were young adults. Yeah. The whole thing is really turned around. And I just think, I will say why books seem to get the best covers. Yeah. True. Yeah. I'm also really mad when I hear a book that sounds really great. And then it, I discovered it is YA, and I'm like, God oh, damn it, because I know I won't enjoy it as much had it been written for adults. There was one called Saint Death, and like I remember I, hear, I heard about it on the Book Riot podcast, and it's like they explore the um, the border areas between the United States and Mexico, mm. and like the drug runners and people trying to get out of Central America and Mexico into the United States, and like the violence and the things they see, and then it's like, and they finished up this really beautiful description, and like. And it's a YA novel. And I remember going, oh, fuck. Because I immediately lost interest. And that happens to me a lot, too. And I'm sort of, like, biased against fiction because of that. Because I'll hear this thing that sounds great. And I just feel like YA is everywhere that I'm sort of just burnt out on it and oversaturated. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to look up what exactly YA was. Because I kept thinking this. I liked Another Brooklyn. And it easily was, it easily, I think, sort of fits some of the tropes of YA. It's about four girls. They're growing up. They're coming of age. But it's not. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out why that was okay. Right, because they even kind of say, like, um, she writes a lot of YA, and they said, oh, her return to fiction for adults. Yeah. But I think you say in the episode, there's nothing really in there that a 16, 17-year-old, even younger, 13, 14-year-old wouldn't, take a lot away from yeah and it's not even there's not even that much inappropriateness Mm -mm. in it say spoiler alert there is like some heavy there's a heavy like thing with suicide Mm -hmm. and drugs and a little bit of sexual assault but it's nothing explicit or nothing that i don't think a teenager in today's day and age has already like is already aware is not aware of right so and that was the question i kept asking myself and i never came up with an answer i don't know why I was fine with another Brooklyn, maybe because the prose was written so poetically. I just really yeah. love the way that book was written. And I think maybe like when we think of 
YA, when it really started getting popular, when we, you know, were had already aged out of it, and you look back, and I bet this is probably, you know, your your editor thing again. You look at Twilight. Twilight, I'm sorry, I have not read it, but you have <sighs> sent me several passages from it of just how the writing is of such a poor quality. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those... Um, kind of uh copycat books were an even worse quality mm-hmm. so I think that at least in my mind at that time why I was getting a really bad rap for being like dumbed down or not well written or not you know crafted very well so when we read another Brooklyn and you know again it's probably one of the best you know just pen on paper books that we've read um mm-hmm. It, it kind of fell outside of that. So I don't know if, I, I and I don't know, I don't know if it's like a thing to say, okay, well, it's YA, we have to dumb it down because I just haven't read enough YA to know, but I would be really, I'd be kind of like upset if that were the case. Like, oh, this is a book for kids. You got to dumb that shit down. Cause it's like, well, yeah. treat, treat young adults, you know, like young, like the young adults that they are, they can handle things. Yeah. Um, I think my issue with YA is I don't think, I don't want to like categorize it or stereotype it as all being dumbed down or or just say it's inherently worse worth less because it's for kids. I just don't think it's it's sort of like you and the romance. It's just not your genre. Mm-hmm. There are parts of the the writing that make it. There are things that make YA YA and make it what it is. And I just don't like it. And I guess I'll get into that because it was there were examples of that in this book. This book I will say was very well written. Yeah, I think it was in. I for the I enjoyed reading it. It's just not a book for me, and that it's written for young adults, mm. which I I don't think I am. <laughs> I'm not I I think I'm solidly adult. So, um, did you, have you heard of new adult fiction? I haven't. Apparently, new adult fiction is supposed to be slightly older than young adult fiction, and apparently, new adult fiction incorporates its age eighteen to thirty. <gasps> so what? Like this is just, according to the Wikipedia article. That's very so, confusing to me. Like, what what would fall in new adult? I think it may have a bit more explicitness in terms of things like maybe violence and sex. Okay. Um, for some reason, the Wikipedia article included thing. Have you read the Night Circus? No. I've read the Night Circus, and that was included as an example of a young adult not or a new adult novel. And I was like, I, I don't get it. I just like I wouldn't. I think that's still sort of a, a really gray. YA is already kind of fuzzy on its age board boundaries. Huh. New adult, I think, is extremely. But then is it like, okay, so when she turned 30, <laughs> you can't read violent books anymore? Like, I love a lot of sex and violence in my books. Like, you got to tone it down, read about tea and crumpets or something. What? I think it's like you're not quite ready yet for, like, adult level of violence and sex. So we're going to, like... I don't I I don't know I just know that new adult is also a term and and I think it's supposed to deal with like college age kids as opposed to high school age even but I feel like so many of these like you know you look at the New York Times like their 10 best books all these best books it's always about a group of like you know artists or like interns who met in college and like they're young stars like that seems like are you talking about a little life <laughs> I guess I am. Uh, but it seems like that is a trope in 
books already, like young professional. So it's like, are we going to retroactively like say like the goldfinch? I, I feel like the protagonist in that book was a little bit young or, um, maybe a vacation. I forget the exact name vacation or something like that. Like, are we moving all these books into new adult? Like, I, I don't know. Like maybe a book is just a book sometimes. Yeah. I don't, I, Listen, I know very little about YA. I know even less about new adults. So I can't, I'm just, I just discovered that was a thing. And I was like, huh, "Huh, look at that. So, (laughs) but yes. So yeah, I, I'm going to get into it. I didn't have a problem with this book. The only problems I had were like books I had were the problems I have inherent. They're very nitpicky. I'll go ahead and say that. And they're just problems I have inherently when I read YA. Mm. Um, but we can go ahead and I guess get into the synopsis. Yeah. This book is still sort of new. So I'll go ahead and give it like a spoiler alert. We're going to go into all the details. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to be honest. I don't think there's anything. If you already know what the book is about, you probably can already figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. So. So yeah, so a little synopsis. Um, I haven't written one of these in a while. And they're a little rusty. So, okay. So Star Carter, our main character, is a 16-year-old girl who balances living in the poor, mostly black neighborhood of Garden Heights while with studying in a mostly white and upper-class school, Williamson Prep. Her life has changed when she witnesses the murder of her childhood friend, Khalil, at the hands of the police. Star, worried about her safety and the attention, refuses to identify herself as the witness. Outside of a statement given to the police in a anonymous TV interview, she does not tell anyone what she saw. Things become more complicated when the news of the shooting breaks. Her friends know nothing besides the fact that a quote-unquote gang member drug dealer was shot in her neighborhood, and over a few of her classmates at school even quote-unquote protest the shooting, but only to get out of class. Star is forced to re-examine her relationships with her friends, specifically Haley, um, a young white girl who is blind to her own prejudices and insensitivity. When a grand jury decides not to charge the officer, Star's neighborhood erupts in violence and she and her friends get caught up in the emotion. At first, they angrily take part in the rioting and destruction, but eventually Star calls for an end to the violence. Along with that main central conflict, Star and her father, Maverick, I believe his name is Mav, um, are both intimidated by local gang members who are angry at Mav's attempts to help Devante, a young teen who wishes to to break the gang lifestyle. The gang members get retribution by setting fire to Star's family shop, but the neighborhood bands together to get the gang members arrested. Um, I feel like there is a lot more, mm-hmm. and we'll get into it. This book takes place over a very long period of time. It's 13 weeks, mm-hmm. so about four months. Yeah, four weeks. So, But it just breaks it up into sections with headers that be like the event, and then three weeks after it happened, mm-hmm. and, then four, and then ten weeks after it happened. So there is a lot going on in between that but that is the big central conflict and we'll discuss it Mm -hmm. so um i would like to hear i i feel like i'm gonna go on when i talk about my (laughs) initial reaction so i'll go ahead and i know you had a really strong emotional reaction to that very first scene which i think is very warranted yeah so um once again i listened to the book on audible (laughs) i want to okay can i ask you about that yeah go ahead into it how was the narrator i listened to the sample and i was like I don't know if I could listen to this for the whole I liked her. I like the little kid voice that she does. <laughs> she does do kind of the vocal fry thing for male voices, mm-hmm. which I'm not as much of a fan of because I think it sounds a little bit um, like put on. Um, but I really like um, I really like the older adult voices that she did. I like um, the I like Star's voice quite a bit. I thought that she had a really good flow to it like this. This is the 
first book in a really long, and maybe the only book I can think of that captures kind of the really like contemporary way of speaking. Like it sounded mm-hmm. like you and me talking. It sounded like, you know, when I hear younger people talking, when I hear people on Twitter talking and it didn't sound forced when she did it. And I thought that mm-hmm. the, the narrator kept up with that really well. Except when she was okay. like singing, <laughs> which was like just, really awful. Like she did the uh, the Fresh Prince rap, and she's like, "This is a story all about how." <laughs> like, she didn't get into it. She did not. She needed to let go. Okay. I was just like, I heard the sample, and I'm like, I know this is a grown woman trying to sound like a 16 year old. And I was like, I don't know if I can listen to that you for know however many hours. <laughs> you know who it reminded me of? It reminded me of Susie from Rugrats. <laughs> Chris Summer? Yeah, like you the know woman. it's an adult doing the voice, but it's really exactly. cute. So Yeah. I had that other issue because I wanted to get the audible to Room. Have you heard of Room? Mm-mm. It's um it was made into a movie and I have the book. And oh, it's been Room. On shelf, so. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. And that book takes place from the perspective of a five year old. Yeah. Oh my god, I listened to the sample of that and quickly had to shut it down. Really? Yeah. So, because she, bless her heart, that narrator really tries to get like, I'm a five-year-old, but it's just a little bit. Because that's kind of hard because that five-year-old, what they say, he's like hyper, like his vocabulary is really good because he watches so much TV, but then he's still a child. That would be really difficult, I think, to pull off. Well, and like. The whole book is written weird because the premise of Room is that a woman is abducted and she gives birth to this child named Jack. And cha- and Jack has only existed in this room. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize he's being held captive. He doesn't realize there's like life out beyond mm-hmm. the room. So he like refers to random things in the room as if they're like living things. Yeah, like, like rug. Like, yeah, yeah. And rug and bed because those are like the things that make up his world. So I was just like... Yeah, but that was interesting. Okay, yeah. sorry. Please continue. I just wanted to. Yeah, no. So go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I liked it quite a bit. Um, yeah, like I said, it's my first you know encounter with YA in a really long time. Um, I do feel like you can tell that it's a book for a younger audience. Um, there are some parts which I thought were a little bit kind of like, okay, this is like laying it out a little bit more than, you know, in a a book for maybe a mature, more mature reader would do. Like when I think it's actually when they're explaining like the hate you give and mm-hmm. the father is like, tell me, what do you think it means? Tell It seemed more like a lesson than I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, I liked it. Like there was no point where I thought that she was like, and maybe it, again, as the writing, when I, when I talk about this, I think mostly of the writing, like at no point was did I think she was like, oh, she's talking to the reader as if they're they're only semi-literate. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, no, I'm going to take you on this. You know, the prose is going to be quick. The dialogue's going to be quick. And you're just going to have to keep up. Yeah. I think I'm really glad she wrote it. I heard about how the book got pitched. She basically, I think, tweeted an agent and she was like, hey, what do you think of a YA novel inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement? Mm. And that's sort of how it came to be. And I think that's really neat because I read an interview with her and she sort of pointed out like some of the victims of these shootings have been like 
teams themselves. Yeah. You've got like Tamara Rice, you've got Trayvon Martin, you've got even Michael Brown, he was just 18. Yeah. So I think it is really appropriate to do a YA book about the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to come down as a negative Nancy, but I'm just going to say my issues are mostly nitpicky. <laughs> I think the book is really well done. I think, um, I will say I read it in like two days. You read it really like, quick. I read it. Yeah, I read it quick. I read it all in one go overnight. I think she does a really good job of setting up the conflict that Star has to face. So she does have her friends in her neighborhood that she doesn't want to seem like bougie and fake in front of, but then she has her friends at school and she doesn't want them to see her as different. I think all that's great. And I think the scene where Khalil was murdered was, it was heartbreaking. Oh my God. Yeah. And it happens really early in the book. So the plot gets moving quickly, which I thought was interesting because, you know, so much of the book is about Khalil and he's not, and I know she probably did this purposely, he's not a character so you only get like all these other views of him which I thought was just like a really interesting way to lay that out yeah and I guess it kind of makes sense like that's what we dealt with with like Mike Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. they were not there they weren't able to tell their own story exactly so it was like the media and the way the and what the officer said what happened oh happened. Ugh. yeah yeah but um I will say this when the book stuck to the topic of the shooting and everyone's response to it. I really loved it. I liked how they reacted when they saw the officer's father give that interview on TV. And I liked yeah. the things they said. I liked everything they said that dealt with like this injustice that happened and how it impacted all of them. When it dealt with her friends and her boyfriend and even like her, the little disagreement she'd have with her parents, I I, I didn't care because- <laughs> See, I loved like, all that. <laughs> Oh, I didn't. I was like, I haven't talked to anyone from high school yeah. in almost 10 years. Most of the time she was arguing with her parents. I took their side. I was like, damn it, they're right. Why the hell would you go out and play basketball <laughs> right. after some rice? Just and switch. she was like, I yelled and said I was going to be gone. It's like, I was like, no, little girl. Riots. No. <laughs> they're riots. <laughs> I was on the parents' side. And then statistically, high school relationships don't last. Yeah. So I didn't care about a little relationship with Chris. Yeah. So like, Chris was Chris stuff. was woke. I was surprised. I thought there was I mean, gonna yeah, be more I mean, conflict with Chris. I did too. I think he was a good foil for Haley. But Oof. like reading those things independent of like the main central conflict, I was like, oh, we gotta I gotta read this lunchroom drama, huh? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was over it. It's a total flip from an extraordinary union because I was like, I want to hear all about the shoes that they're wearing. <laughs> I love this, like, fresh princess. I thought that was adorable. <laughs> like, I was I was like, y'all ain't gonna last. I'm not invested. <laughs> so, like, this is funny, because this is my... I am, like, the most optimistic with, like, romance. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, yes, I want to hear all the stuff and all the feelings, and I'm here, and they'll last forever. And then I was reading this, and I was like, what is this y'all ain't gonna make it like there's no like no let's be practical that's when practical danielle comes out and she was like not here for this little romance (laughs) like i just wasn't and uh so that's i think so yeah it's still well written and i think if you like that stuff you'll probably love this book i think this book was still very well done and i will already admit that a lot of my complaints are nitpicky things that deal with the genre but i could not keep my when it was like I could not keep interested like the whole Tumblr thing oh so one of her 
So Haley, who I put equals all lives matter. Haley wasn't even all lives matter. Haley was straight up white lives matter. <laughs> she was. Haley is one of Star's rich friends that she hangs out with when she goes to school. Not rich. I don't know. One of her friends she hangs out when she goes to school. And she like, she I guess unfollows Star's Tumblr and like it really impacts her. And I get it's supposed to be bigger than that. But I was like, I'm so tired. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. So Haley was that's me. awful. Haley was such a Haley good was bu- villain. Yeah, because she was, she, she was kind of a mess. They, except for maybe King, um, they really take, and the police officer, but we'll get to him. 115 115. Yeah. Um, they do a good job of, making well-rounded characters so when we're introduced to Haley, she and star are friends because they were both kind of grieving at the same time Haley had lost her mother and star mm-hmm. had seen her best friend um be killed in a drive-by um mm-hmm. and she's natasha natasha and she says, like, you know, they were both the kids who would like cry at the drop of a hat because they were both grieving like really intensely and we see that you know, for a long time, they, like, kind of supported each other. But then Haley was kind of, like, the star of her own show, telling everyone else what to do. Like, um, Star's mom, like, <laughs> lays it out really well. And an IHOP later in the book, she's like, <laughs> you know, you colored your hair because that little girl told you to. You like yeah. this Jonas brother, but she said you should be with that one. And and it, it, it was good because it showed, I think, like, she... And I think that this is a complex lesson for a kid to learn, you know, when she's talking about take the good with the bad, like Haley makes some comment about their other friend, whose name I'm forgetting now, Maya, Maya, who is Chinese. And she's like, oh, did your family eat um, cat for Thanksgiving or something? And when they call her out on saying all these racist things, she's like, you're the real racist for noticing my racism. And she gets all offended and she's like, you need to apologize to me. And she goes all crazy. And later she kind of apologizes, but it's, I thought it was like such a great moment where star is like, she's like, okay. And she lets it go. And she lets Haley go. She's like, I don't need you. I don't need this presence in my life, but I'm not going to let it continue to tear me down. Yeah. I did like that. She sort of, Haley comes back and apologizes and I think her mother had Star's mother had talked with her earlier and she was like if the good that people bring into your life outweighs the bad then keep them Mm -hmm. if not let them go and I thought that was a good lesson yeah but yeah I just I could not with Haley (coughs) she was terrible she was pretty bad she was a good foil to Chris though I thought like the opposite like comparing her comparing Star's relationship with the both of them Mm -hmm. even though I didn't like the whole Chris stuff I did appreciate how she said she always felt like she didn't have to try when she was around Chris because she does have she has Garden Heights star and there's Williamson star and Williamson prep star doesn't use slang she speaks perfect English she doesn't try she tries not to act too angry or too defensive because she's always aware of those stereotypes sort of pressing down on her she said she doesn't have to be like that when she's with Chris so I thought like that was a good comparison yeah and Chris was like Chris was like ride or die. They're like, hey, we're gonna break <laughs> into like this like notorious drug dealer's house. He's about to kill a child, 
and we need your help to like <laughs> break him out of there. Are you down? And Crystal's like, I guess so. I, I guess, yeah. It's like, hey, we're gonna go right. Enthusiastic about it, but, but he, he didn't leave. He didn't leave Star's side. He didn't leave. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was it. I think that whole subgenre, I thought, or not subgenre. But that whole, like, side conflict I thought was maybe the strongest thing about the book. And maybe the best thing Wait, about which, the book. Wait, which part? Devante, who is uh, the teen that they try to save, and King, and the whole conflict with the gangs in the area. Because I think one of the things Star has to deal with is that there's this sort of suspicion. She's not sure about whether or not Khalil, her friend who died, was a drug dealer she does find out he was a drug dealer, but she's not sure whether or not he was a gang member. Mm-hmm. She later finds out that he was, he never joined the, oh my gosh, what were they called? The King Lords? The King Lords. Yeah. And I thought they did a, she did a, Angie Thomas did a really good job of like sort of describing how people living in an area where they don't, maybe just don't have a lot of opportunities. Right. Will turn to things that even they are ashamed of or that they disapprove of. Khalil's mother was a crackhead. He hated drugs. He hated how they impacted families. But because his grandmother had cancer and because they just did not have many opportunities to make money to give her the care she needed, he turned to drug dealing. That didn't... And because her... uh, And I thought maybe this was a little bit more of a cop-out, maybe more of the little YA thing um, to make Mm -hmm. it a little more morally clear. They say that the mother stole money from king who's like the leader of the king lords yeah and king forced him to sell drugs until he made the money back but i thought it was interesting that she doesn't reveal that until way later because it's like i i totally forgot that detail too i didn't think it's needed i, think I don't it think it just been exactly i think it makes it a little clearer if you're a younger reader like oh man you know circumstances yeah. are hard because but it's like you're saying it's like even if he was selling drugs like that's the point of it like we don't resolve crimes like that by shooting people dead in the street even if he was standing outside like handing drugs over to somebody like the punishment for that is not being murdered in the street yeah and i think the whole side thing with Devante and king showing just how you can't just stop Mm mm-hmm doing it it's dangerous and just showing how sometimes you get in these situations that doesn't make him a bad person it means he just got caught up in bad situations so I really sort of like that because it could have been really easy maybe for Khalil to have just been a kid who you know maybe did go to school average stayed out of trouble and still got sort of caught up and shot anyway the fact is that he wasn't he did do some things that maybe he shouldn't have it still does not mean he deserved what he got right yeah so like i said i really liked the stuff when it dealt with those topics it was all the other (laughs) the other things what did you think of um the parents because i kind of want to talk about the parents i love the parents (laughs) i like the parents too and i was like you know what i would have liked this book a lot more if it was just about the adults i love when they the scene where they're watching the basketball game and the mother's like trying to give her dairy and she's like you know i don't eat dairy when lebron is playing (laughs) I thought that was so cute. Like, um, It was a really cute moment. And their story is kind of interesting, too, because I guess that the mother... What is the mother's name again? I forget. The father's Maverick. Oh, she's, all, she's always just called Mama, and I know it's in here. Yeah, because the dad calls her by her name, but mostly you're seeing her through the daughter's eyes. 
eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the mother has a very strained relationship with her mother, who, uh, you know, was an alcoholic. Was I mean, she was hilarious, but also she was, like, <laughs> tragic. She said, like, she would throw her and the brother out. Uh, her uncle, Carl? Is that it? Uncle Carlos. Carlos. Um, who lives in the suburbs. Who lives in the suburbs. He's the detective. We'll, we'll get back to him because he was interesting, too. And so the mom, um, you know, she's kind of wild. And then she meets Maverick, whose father was like a big time, like uh, old school um, King Lord. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they get together and then he, I guess, cheats on her and has a son. Um, he has like what I think is like some kind of one, like I guess it's had a fight. He has a one night stand yeah. with some woman and she has his she has a baby that they named Seven. Seven. And then um, the mother, you know, forgives him and takes him back in. And I remember she's saying, like, oh, everyone thought I was a fool. And it's, like, it's an interesting thing. Like, you don't really see that in literature, but it is a thing that happens. Like, <laughs> it is a thing that happens. And so she has this older brother and then uh, Seven. And then Seven has two younger sisters. One is Star's age. And their relationship was kind of interesting because they're not quite sisters because their situation is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are, they do share that relationship. Yeah. So. And they're kind of fighting over because, uh, so King is this girl's father. What is her name? Um, Kenya. Kenya. Um, King is her father. And, uh, you know, he's beating their mother and the mother's like real bougie, but at the end she turns out to be a hero kind of. <laughs> yeah that was kind of tragic it was it was really tragic like it was just like people were bad like you saw them doing bad things especially Kenya's mother but you saw like they were stuck kind of like you're saying in situations that they couldn't really get out of as easily as just saying I don't want to do this anymore yeah so she saves the day her name is Aisha mm-hmm. and she saves the day at the end because Devante somehow gets caught up by King and they do sort of imply that they're about to murder this child. <laughs> but they're like and partying at the same time. <laughs> same time. It's it's really dark. And Aisha sees that Star and Seven and Chris have come into her house to sort of get him out. And she sort of plays like she doesn't care. Like, get this child out of my house and take your little sister with you. I'm done dealing with y'all's asses tonight. And Seven is kind of slow and doesn't figure it out. But the girls figure out that she's basically getting all of them out of the house so that when King finds out that they're that um Devante is gone and he gets angry, they will not be there bear the brunt of his anger. It's all she'll take all of it. Right. And this is so, immediately after a scene where she seems like so evil and so mean where she mm-hmm. shows up to Seven's graduation party and is like, oh, you don't even want to be around me and all this stuff. But then when you look back at that scene in retrospect, you're like, oh, she's like really hurting because like she mm-hmm. can't do anything for her kid. And her kid has just completely written her off at this point, like doesn't even want to yeah. be a part of that family. So she does this like pretty ballsy thing later because King was getting ready to kill a child that night. you know, yes. <laughs> Like anything could have happened to her. And I think like I will say this, it could have been really easy for Aisha to just been like evil mother Mm -hmm. like just oh I got my boo I got my money I don't care but she does even though she has problems she does in her own way try to help 
help she tries to help her children in the way she can and even when she's pushing i have a feeling that even when she puts seven out because at one point seven is angry because his mother puts him out yeah and i have a feeling after what happened in that last scene that she didn't put him out as much as try to keep him away yeah from this abusive man yeah because he kept saying like oh you know if he, he like he was definitely on edge seven like if he he kept saying if king does anything if king does anything like that's the last straw that's the last straw and maybe mm-hmm. she saw that you know things were gonna bubble over and she kicked him out which is that the best thing she could have done no is it maybe the only option she had well possibly, possibly yeah. you know you you understand why she makes the decision she does, even if you may not agree with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I think it's always clear. I will say, I think it's always clear why the characters do what they do. Like, they're not acting evil just because the plot calls for them to be Except evil for King. Because, <laughs> yeah, King was pretty evil. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's basically... So this book, I was not expecting the whole, like, gang warfare subplot. Yeah. But I'm, like, kind of glad it was there because it could have been the book needed something to sort of like explain the situation of what the neighborhood was like yeah, and why that cloud of suspicion maybe hung around Khalil. King is basically, we learned that her father, Star's father, I can't remember what he did, but King, oh, Star's father did time in prison for King. Yes. And so that's how he was sort of able to escape the lifestyle because he, King owed him. Yeah. Cause King, I think had either drugs or weapons on him and they were like going to pick something up. Strike. And he had two strikes already. So Maverick, the father, took the charge. And he went away when uh, Star was three, I think. She was very young. Yeah, Yeah. went away for three years. So, but I'm kind of glad, because he's he's sort of like the true evil, maybe even more than the cop was. And I think that that's kind of an interesting thing, because, okay, whenever anything happens, the first thing... A certain demographic says it's black on black crime. Like, no one ever talks about it. Like, no one ever, like, it doesn't affect people. Like, it's like, like, there's never any marches. Like, there's never, like, like, we never talk about, you know, violence in our own community. And I thought that this did a really good job, you know, juxtaposing um, uh, the friend Natasha's death and um, Khalil's death because they were kind of like the three musketeers showing I kind of what's that disagree well I kind of disagree I think we do I think there are conversations when those things happen that's what I'm oh yeah that's what I'm saying I'm I, oh like she was showing that you know it does happen and people do talk about it because they go yeah. to the just what is it justice justice um anti-violence yeah, I, didn't like, I didn't like the name of whatever that organization but I was. think it that didn't... that's a real organization like I remember one in Kansas City just us for, I don't, I just remember it kept, I kept thinking of Just For Me, the hair relaxer. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this as a fictional name for a, but yeah. I got what they were supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. So they show that people are talking about it. And again, with all the stuff about King um, and even the stuff with the barbershop owner, the old guy, um, how... <laughs> Who snitches on black people. <laughs> right. He's like, go get heart. king. But it shows that, you know, people aren't just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to. It's like, no, people are thinking about, you know, our community and violence within it all the time and trying to make things better. And if you aren't paying attention, then then that's on you. Like if the media isn't coming right. out and saying like it is 
a tragedy what happens because it happens to little girls and little boys, you know, and the fact that we don't see media out there, the fact that we don't see, you know, people on TV talking about it doesn't mean that people in that neighborhood, people in that community, their family aren't trying to stop that stuff from happening. It just means that other people aren't paying attention. Right. I think this sort of, sort of very awkwardly segues way into the conflict between Mav, Star's father, and Uncle Carlos. Oh, okay, yeah. Because as you sort of said, when Star's father went away into jail, Uncle Carlos, her mother's brother, sort of like stepped in as the male figure and they got really close because of it but when he comes back there is definite tension in the book between the two of them I think Matt I think one Mav may resent the level of closeness his daughter shares with or is jealous maybe not resents but maybe is jealous or sort of is like sort of hurt it reminds him of the fact that he was not there when his daughter needed him to be Mm -hmm. and I think Carlos is sort of angry that he even had to do it in the first place that that he, and then maybe he doesn't feel appreciated or maybe it probably is something also to do with the fact that he left Garden Heights and his own sort of like not cred but his own sort of like blackness sometimes seems to be talked down to because he's no longer in the neighborhood he's yeah. in the suburbs with a whole bunch of white people and he's doing very well he's a detective his wife is a surgeon mm-hmm. So they're doing very well for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting. That was also an example of why I don't like YA. So they have this conflict. And at one point it gets really heated between them. Star goes to sleep, wakes up. She brings them breakfast and they're like laughing and joking. Yeah, it's over. And they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we talked. And, and that's, like, you know, yeah, it's an interesting, like you said, really complex issue. Cause she even says, this is what, at some point she said, this is what happens when you have two dads. And it's like, I can't imagine, you know, putting myself in Carlos's shoes. You know, your sister is out here all by herself with a dude who cheated on her. Now his ass is in prison. And there's this little girl. I don't think he had kids at that point. You know, you're taking her to her first day of school. You're doing her hair. You're buying her clothes. You're tucking her in. Like, for all intents and purposes, that's your little girl. And then all of a sudden, this other dude just walks back in. And it's like, well, where the fuck have you been? Then you put yourself in Mav's shoes and it's like, okay, I was trying my hardest out here. You know, my Mm. situation was bad. I have this little girl who's the world to me. I can't let her see me in this like position because I want her to, you know, know that, you know, you think of your dad, like nothing can Mm. hurt him. He's like Superman and you don't want her to think any less of you. You can't be there. You can't hold her. You can't do these things. You get out. And, you know, there's this other dude there who she wants to call dad. So that's like a yeah. heavy conflict, which you're right. They resolve off screen. <laughs> so. Yeah, it skimmed right over. I was like, that's sort of the stuff I want to see. I don't, I want to see, I want to see the quote unquote adult stuff. And because she herself is a child, she is protected from these things Yeah, that I really want to, those are the things I want to see. The conversations about them not wanting to leave the neighborhood. That was interesting. Yeah. About how I think the mother was like, so you're helping everybody else's kid get out of this neighborhood, but it's totally okay with our children staying. Right. And that, like, that's, I mean, that's a big conflict too. Like I remember when yeah. I was in school, um, like my mom taught at the middle school that I went to 
And I remember, like, uh, there was, like, this thing you got to throw out, like, a baseball at a game or whatever. And so mm-hmm. someone had put my name up there, like, oh, how about Molly do it? And I remember, like, one teacher said, well, Molly isn't, like, the kind of student who represents this school. Um, because I was, like, very shy. I'm mixed, you know. Um, and so I remember, like, my mom went the fuck off she was like and she pointed everyone out she was like you do not live in the city we live like a couple miles from the school she's like you don't live here your family doesn't live here you know you act bougie you bought houses in the suburbs you act like you know five o'clock rolls around and you're gone um but you're gonna say that me and my child don't represent this school like she was pissed oh my god she was so angry i didn't hear yeah. about any of it until later but i was like holy because shit you were a child. because i was a child and that's what happened with this book all these great like things are happening but because we're in like the perspective of a teenager who's not allowed to take part in them right and so that's so just another thing i sort of did not enjoy about the book it's like i don't like being limited to this this perspective that is not able to access all these other more adult conversations happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, like I was going to say, like, if, do you stay, do you go? That's like a big issue in the black community. So, and I can see both, I can see the father's side. He's like, well, we can't make it better if we're not here. And I can see the mother's side. side. Now this is twice. Someone has shot at my baby. Yeah. So it was really good. And I was like, that's the conversation I wanted to see. She comes and brings Carlos and mom breakfast and they're like yeah we talked about it yeah and he's like eating hot sauce (laughs) with some eggs he's like yeah I'm down and I was like damn it I hate this yeah so I guess it makes sense like those those topics are very heavy for kids I I was kind of surprised at the end that they waited until literally you audible it so I don't know but literally it was like maybe the last page before bringing she sort of hints that it had happened before but like there were no names mentioned until the last page and she brings up Trayvon mm. and Tamir, Tamar and and Mike Brown I sort of thought they might have been referenced a bit beforehand so I was also sort of confused about the universe that this takes place in like yeah because they was don't she paying attention to all those things or well I think she was because that's part of the reason why Haley stops following her tumblr because mm-hmm. she's putting things right. So ridiculous. I'm sorry. I still think <laughs> she said I, I can't with Tumblr drama. Go ahead. She said I don't want to see that shit. And she was referencing stories about police violence specifically mm-hmm. because um, Star originally thinks it's she puts a picture of Emmett Till with the mother. Mm-hmm. You know that you've seen that picture, the famous photo. Yeah. Um, and so she thinks that Haley is responding to that specifically, and Haley through the friend um, is saying, no, I was tired of all this shit because she's posting things about police violence, Black Panthers, um, older things like uh, Emmett Till, Megger Evers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that she is aware of it, but it, I mean, you know, we see her, like you said, the, the incident happened so early in the story that that kind of like is, the main thing that everything else is orbiting around. Yeah. So it did surprise me too much. I just thought like, had this existed in a universe where those many instances had already happened, her perspective or her expectations about how the police would handle it would be different. 
or her ang- like I don't know I just feel like you'd be even more angry mm. or even more like I don't know I just it just felt a little disconnected from the and I guess it has to be just because it's a fictional story and you can really only do so much in this story where you're trying not to be disrespectful about these real world incidents that have happened while still sort of borrowing them to tell this story I don't know it was probably really difficult yeah um I will also say okay. go ahead well, I was going to say, as I don't keep meaning to harping on that I'm adult, but I'm old and I lived in St. Louis. Uh-huh. So I was here when Ferguson happened. Yeah. I have read like Between the World and Me and all these other think pieces. And I don't mean this in a negative way. It was just I didn't really get anything new about police shooting from this book. Had 17 year old Danielle read this book, it probably would have blown her mind. Yeah. Like, if I was 17 and had it come out when I was 17, yeah. like, in the early aughts, or maybe not early, mid-aughts, like, 04, 05, it probably would have really impacted me and really stuck with me. As we have all, like, collectively as a society, gone through this, following the news, reading the think pieces, and reading the books that I have read, I didn't really get anything new in terms of the shooting. Yeah. Although I will say it was very interesting. She reminded me of Rachel. I put this in a notes. Rachel um, Jean Toe. I can't pronounce her last name. Trayvon Martin's friend. Yeah, yeah, Trayvon Martin's friend. And I think the author specifically mentions how when this girl testified, all this ruckus was made about like her speech, right. her appearance, and nobody was listening to what she had gone through. Right. Which I thought was so. interesting because they don't show... Um, Star's testimony. They don't show Star. Yeah. Yeah. He remains anonymous throughout the whole thing. Well, not that, not only that, but they don't go into the courtroom with her, really, right? Yeah. When she testifies. Yeah, no, like, they don't. Yeah. Which I thought was kind again, of interesting. That, again, that's the stuff I wanted to see. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, too, that they don't say where this takes place. It has to be California because they mentioned three strikes, right? I mean, I but believe- I think other states have three strikes. Like, I, I kind of thought California because of all the Tupac references. That too. But I think, I th- I don't know that. Um... Oh, 28 states have some form of Yeah. Well, I guess I just famously think three strikes California law. Yeah. Like, it it, it, it seemed like California, but it, it also seemed like it could have been Missouri, you know? And I think that was probably done on purpose. I like think this so. could be anywhere. Yeah, like it happens all over. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the Tupac? I kind of liked how Tupac was all in this, but I don't know how much like a current 16 or 17 year old knows and or cares about Tupac. There were a couple moments where she said things that make sense for the author to say. Mm-hmm. Like she says something like, oh, there's no R&B like 90s R&B <laughs> or something like that. And I'm like, that's a very like 20 to 30 like late 20 yeah to 30 year old thing to say like because people our age have a lot of nostalgia for 90s arms yeah i don't know if like teenagers nowadays would say the same way yeah um she does i just feel bad that jodeci got called old that old group (laughs) but then there's a part where um her mom and dad are like dancing to push it and she's like (laughs) horrified but I did notice that she um, and maybe this was for the kids as they say like she talks about Tupac but she's also talking about Kendrick Lamar a lot Um, I do love me some Tupac I love Kendrick and you know like his whole thing with Tupac 
And I think probably kids in that age range. I mean, again, we have younger listeners. Tell me because I'm old if you don't agree with this. But <laughs> um, I feel like probably younger listeners would be able to make that one-two connection. Like, oh, Kendrick, all right. Um, you know, to Peppa Butterfly, talking about Tupac. He's ide- kind of connecting, like, you know, these issues and saying they've been around since Immatel, since the 90s. They're the same things that we're talking about. And and I'll give Tupac because Tupac is such a big name in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I think people still, but like the 90s R&B thing was sort of a tell for me. Like Yeah, the 90s thing. Yeah. And I don't know how about how many kids are still watching Fresh Prince or still are have the same. Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm old too. I, I don't know anything that kids like nowadays. <laughs> maybe more because it was like, you know, her going to the bougie school and feeling kind of left out. And because yeah. I remember watching Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. It was like, you know, pre like um carefree blackness. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, oh man, like if I could be like Will Smith. I remember like thinking that if I could be like Will Smith, like he's cool. Like, yeah. you know, no one's really gonna say shit to me because I'm like the cool black kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even yeah. though it didn't work for me because I was at a black school <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching. Fresh like Prince. we see we see right through you, Molly. <laughs> so yeah. um but yeah, so I, I get it. Like the 90s one, like you said, it may be a little nitpicky, but I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I don't well, know. and I even admit it. Most of my problems with this book are very nitpicky. I just, I didn't like anything that wasn't about the main conflict <laughs> of the shooting in the games. And I don't like how, and I don't like teenager, like I don't care about Tumblr and all these other things. So I mean, I'm not the age, I'm not the target demographic for this book. I can acknowledge that. Yeah. But I still think it was really good. Yeah, I think... I just... I think the prose, the way it was written sometimes, drove me crazy. Because she does use a lot of slang. She does. I'm like, See, I loved it. Child. 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 <laughs> I adored it. I'm not a fan of teenagers, so... <laughs> they're okay. I just, like... Uh, you know, they're there so. being teens. They're doing their own thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to... I don't know. I said go for it, teens. I feel like I just dug myself in a hole by saying I'm not a fan of teens. I am totally okay with teenagers. I just I'm ambivalent towards teens because I feel like teens are ambivalent toward me. And I'm gonna put on some sunglasses when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that this book was though, and I appreciate that it was written for teens. I will say, like, as we touched on, the books for like that age group so much more diverse and they're doing so much more like risk taking. Mm -hmm than when we were younger. I bet you this book makes some banned book lists. I I guarantee it. Oh. It's getting so much praise and I think it's totally well earned. I feel like that would be a, like a badge of pride. I think they should I think that this should be, you know, in the schools. I think the kids should be reading this. You know, I think a lot of kids could take a lot from this book. Yeah. So you know replace uh huck finn or something i was like what do you replace it with replace it with this you want to talk about race in america you know yeah or read them together i don't know you know people get testy but i think i just really am glad it was written even if it wasn't for me and i'm glad that it's a book that's there that's telling this story to this age group and explaining things Mm -hmm. And it did it really, like, it did it so well between the what's happening in the school, between what's happening at Star's home, mm-hmm. her family life, and, like, all these people she cares about, even if they don't, even if they don't do, make the best decisions, no one deserves what happened. Right. I do think 
we sort of I didn't get to touch on this in the community and I want to talk about Go ahead. It. when she denies Khalil mm. to her school friends mm-hmm. that moment sort of like ooh got me right in the gut when she's like I don't know no I don't know who that is yeah and it sort of stays with her and I'm like that moment sort of hurt yeah and it's her like friend Kenya even accuses her of not speaking up right and it's like you know that that's where she has to go but I like the nuance of it too like she didn't do it just she didn't do it because oh I want to fit in she did it right. because she was like I don't know how to talk to it to mm-hmm. talk to people who are so removed from my world about this horrible thing or later, right. I don't know how to go to the police when they throw my dad on the ground and threaten to oh, take gosh, him away moment. again. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. And I think that that just made her, you know, stance later so much more impactful that it wasn't like, oh, I just want to fit in or I don't want to think about it. She's like, this is, like, heavy shit for anybody, especially a teenager. Yeah. I think the scene with the dad, that was another really powerful... This book had so many powerful moments. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so conflicted by it. Like, when it dealt with the issue that I came here for, I just was really loving it. It was just when it sort of devolved into like her regular life that I was like, But okay. I feel like if they didn't I'm have sure. those other parts, then it would be unbelievable. Like she would have just been like this ultra hero heroine who just like came out of nowhere and like was like, I am so great and let us talk about the issues. Like if she didn't have the parts where she was like, I got to have my shoes match in my backpack. If she didn't have those little parts of just like being a frivolous teen, then she wouldn't have been such a believable character. Oh, I agree. I just didn't want to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were important and I think they probably, they made her more realistic and you really know this character because you know her family and her friends Mm -hmm. and her thoughts on like shoes (laughs) and music. I just didn't want to read it. We have totally switched now like from a... me not liking the romance part of romance like just be like get back to the spying Hagi <laughs> to like and I don't like the young adults in the young adults <laughs> and that's all right that's all right yeah but I totally think like if you and I know there are people adults and young adults who read a lot of that type of fiction uh-huh. I think this they'll love it I think so and I think so. even people who are probably more like me who don't kind of like you like I feel like just YA isn't written for me um yeah. I think that you would you would like this book. Yeah, it was very well done. I look forward to what she does in the future too. Yeah. Like, how, do you, how do you follow up the the Black Lives Matters book and the movie? Will I go see the movie? I'm trying to think. I'll probably see the movie. <laughs> I hope see what ha- like they'll take these books and they tend to like emphasize the wrong parts. Like the Hunger Games became a movie about a love triangle. Oh really? And I was like, ah, oh. so I just hope they don't less i hope she has some role in the screenplay development i'll say that yeah true very true so she has the funniest faq and there is like apparently between her and two other authors this like war about oreos oh my god she okay i agreed on mentioned in the book many (laughs) many points that she made about like her various likes and dislikes but food i cannot get down with i do not care i put i put my mac and cheese in the oven just like everyone else i have the crust on it and you know what i will eat that as a meal by itself if i get hungry because i am a broke adult and sometimes that's how it goes 
I did. I failed that test. I failed so that test. Not mac and cheese was a side, or it's, I was like, well, when you're broke enough, anything can be a meal. <laughs> anything can be so. a meal. Um, and then they like were against heating up pop tarts, which I also was like, no, children, you heat up your pop tarts. I yeah, I didn't. I never liked pop tarts. So one time I was like trying to put it in the microwave. Frank was like, what are you doing? It's a pop tart. It pops out the of the toaster, and I was like, I get it now. I agreed yeah. about potato salad. I don't like any potato salad. It has mayonnaise in it, and mayonnaise is too much. No, mustard potato salad. I don't like mustard potato salad is where it's at. I don't like any potato salad. I don't want any kind of cold potatoes. Well, I don't like pasta salad, which is just potato salad with pasta. So I don't. I can't say anything. But apparently, there's this thing about like Oreos. golden Oreos, mm. which I'm I'm not about to do that. The only Oreo it's is double, double stuffed. stuffed. <laughs> That's it. That's the only Oreo that needs to be in anyone's house. Exactly. Tasty had this video on how to make homemade Oreos. Oh, really? It was kind of frightening. Because, like, (laughs) they looked like Oreos, but the tops were completely smooth. I don't like that. (laughs) It was like, if you ever saw me, it was like a generic human being like if you saw someone you knew <laughs> but it'd been like replaced all their features yeah and all their features are like slightly altered and they still sort of look like themselves it was disconcerting <laughs> i did not enjoy it i was like i don't i don't need homemade oreos if this is the kind of world that i'm gonna have to deal with <laughs> yeah, give me that, that shit in funny. the package get out of here i don't know you <laughs> If you're not branded, I'm not down. What's that disease where people think, like, their family members have been replaced? <laughs> what? Just schizophrenia? No, it's, like, a very specific disorder where, like, you don't recognize, like, your loved ones. You think that they have been, like, actually just replaced by a robot or an alien or someone else. Oh, no. And they look kind of the same, but they do something a little bit differently. Like, that's what I'm feeling with these Oreos. It was terrible. Go look it up. It's the tasty video. And like the tops are completely smooth. I don't like that. Because they're like baked in an oven. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I don't like that. But yeah. So Star was pretty cool. I did agree, disagree with her food stuff. <laughs> I didn't care about the Tumblr stuff. I felt old whenever she talked about music. Because I remember the cash money millionaires. <laughs> um, but yeah. But other than that, I mean, I thought she was a really great character. I really like the emphasis on how like your voice can be your weapon. Yeah. And that's how you fight. And I thought that was a really great moment. Yeah. I did like, she had a lot of sense. Like every time she was doing those, um, when she did the interview with the TV person and when she gave the statement at the police, mm-hmm. she knew what they were trying to get at and she was not happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's like, why, why do you keep asking about, or what did she say? Like, I don't think he needs to be on trial for his own murder. Right. Like she had like this great, and then she's like, I think the, the reporter was like, what would you say to officer whoever, if you could talk to him. She's like, I would ask him if he would shoot me too. Right. Like, she was, yay for this media savvy teenager. She was a really smart, great character, even though I didn't care about her <laughs> social life. <laughs> she was a great character. I really liked her. Yeah, I liked her. Don't mind me, y'all. I'm just like old and jaded and, and bitter. I don't remember high school. I feel you. I, like, My back locked. was hurting earlier. <laughs> I blocked most of high school out. <laughs> So I was like, eh, I don't need to go back there. I'm in the process of blocking most of college out. <laughs> like, I live in the moment. Right. <laughs> I need, I have a book about how to be an adult. That's what I'm working on now. Adulting. Right. That's, that's my goal. I got to get it together. I owe the state of Missouri money. Like, my life's a mess. Right. I'm trying to pay so, these but bills. Overall, 
Exactly. So yeah, most of all, I think it's a great book. It just it's just doesn't it's not for me. And I get that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So I won't say I'm not sad. I I'm glad I read it. It's one of the better YAs I've read. After like the like I've read a lot of the popular YA and it was bad. Yeah. The Fault in Our Stars is easily the worst book I've ever read. Like the main characters are these like self-centered, arrogant assholes, Ooh. and you're supposed to feel bad when one of them dies. And I remember finishing the book like, well, when's the other one gonna go? <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't. And I was really upset. <laughs> I wrote a very scathing review on Goodreads. <laughs> are you okay? I'm dying. These YA kids are gonna come. I just like to say these are Danielle's opinions. I have not read <laughs> Look, these books. <laughs> I will defend my like. I am not of the. Remember when Slate did that whole? Here's you're an adult and you're in YA. You should be ashamed. I'm not in that group. I feel read what you want, love what you want. I'm here for it. But I will still say The Fault in Our Stars was a, whoever stars was a terrible book. It was a terrible book. There was nothing redeeming about either one of those characters. They were god awful. God. Uh, one of them smacked an old man. Like, Wait, why? Or he pour, she poured water in his face. Whatever. It was it was so terrible. I was like, I hate the book. So I will defend my hatred for that. Come at me. All She's like, fans. fight me. I'm ready. And, the, and then this can be us, but you're, this could be us. They're going to team up. But you playing? They're going to be at our door. Coming for me. Look at I stand behind That's it. okay. So. The Charlie Freeman oh. people is you. Is you. I didn't like Charlie Freeman. But I did. Charlie Freeman, I did not hate. Eleanor and Park was super racist. That's what so. I always hear. Like the character, there was a Korean oh. character. Yeah, okay. he's like half Korean, and it's just, it's, like, I don't know what the Asian version of minstrel is. I don't know what that actually is. Yellow face. It, I guess that's what it would be. It felt like yeah. that. Like, it was really bad. And then even, and then there are black characters in that book, and they were bad. Oh. Like, it was just racist all around. So, I was like, oh, I'm gonna set that down. That was supposed to be made into a movie, and then I think something got held up. So, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> So, yeah. So, yeah, definitely one of the better YA books I've read. Yeah. So, yay, Angie Thomas. Good job. The ding- I'm sure she's really proud. She got the Danielle seal of approval. <laughs> hey, we are discriminating um, high-class fancy ladies. We drink wine while we do this? Uh-huh. We got- uh-huh. You know, a seal of approval is not even, you don't just give that out, you know? I don't. So. Uh, did we have any other final thoughts? I don't think so. Here's a random. Khalil is the same name as the kid from Bebe's Kids. <gasps> he is! <laughs> <laughs> That's a childhood memory. Do you remember when Bebe's Kids, they, they got some copies at the Wizzy Bookstore? <laughs> No, <laughs> like the call it out. Oh, yes, I, I did. Remember, I bought it on DVD. Because I, I bought it too. It was like Baby's Kids. It's like sale at the bookstore. And everyone would have bought it. And I remember, like that was the only time I had seen a legal copy of that movie. Right. I we I don't. Every other copy I've seen has been like somebody recorded it or bootlegged. That it. was like the that was like the first time I remember seeing someone bootleg like a blockbuster tape. Like, I remember, like, they had the two DVDs. I'm not going to say who it was. 
you know, for reasons. Um, but I remember they had the two DVDs, the two um, VCRs set up, and the person was cursing while trying to get it because that person said that we <laughs> rented that movie too many times and they weren't paying for us to rent it again. So we were going to get the bootleg copy. And then I remember this person's friend who had a child about our age, had a copy of George of the Jungle, and they wanted to see Bebe's kids. And so they said, why don't you trade, you know, for a weekend, <laughs> Bebe's kids for George of the Jungle. And we said, okay. And we never saw our copy of Bebe's kids again. And I am still salty about it. I Oh man, ours was just some tape, and I remember my dad had decorated the label with like markers. That is Baby's adorable. Kids. Baby's Kids is so good. <laughs> Such a Baby's good movie. Kids and the short film about the itsy bitsy spiders. Oh, right. <laughs> like those are the two films. They are always together. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that's a childhood memory. That's <sighs> that was a weird segue. That would be. It is a weird segue, and that was a weird movie. That's a good movie. I loved it. I'm pretty sure it was not appropriate for children, but every every child, child watched it, saw it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's it. I'm glad we read it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So I really like the cover art. Yeah, the cover art is great. You got the what the white one, like with the white with the, her holding the sign. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think there's a new one, which is also very uh, good, but. I think I like the other one better. I think one is like the American cover and then there's a UK. Okay, I see. Yeah. I did. I read on a blog or on her, and maybe this was on her FAQ too, that she said she would have named the full <laughs> the hate you give fucks everyone, but that it was too long and that you probably, sh- she was, she probably should not have included the F-bomb in a YA title. Mm, so. You know. <laughs> I was like, missed opportunity. So. But yeah, that was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Mm-hmm. Do we inspired by Black Lives Matter? I recommend it. I think you said you. Yeah, I definitely it. recommend it. Yeah. Um. Do we want to talk about what we're reading <laughs> now or next? Uh, what we're reading now, okay. like what we're currently reading, because I promised um Robin, <laughs> our super reader, our first fan. Um, you know, I think we were talking on Twitter. This was a while ago, and this got cut out of the book. Bo- it was in the bonus episode. Yes, that was a lot. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure that I hit it because I said on Twitter, like, it will blow your mind when I'm reading, even though you oh, already know. Right. And she said, I hope it's not another Trap Queen book. I love that. Like, I laughed for five years. I laughed so hard. And I saw it came up on my phone at work. And I was <laughs> like, I hope you're not reading another Trap Queen book. And I was like, oh, my Robin Piazza at Every Woman ninety eight. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. she was great. That was oh great. God, I I am not reading. It. Oh well, maybe I feel like my last read has trap tendencies. True. So, but yeah, go ahead. You were reading. I was so proud of Molly. So I'm reading. He's reading. I'm reading another ahead. romance book. And I, I wish that we still had the audio because Danielle was like flabbergasted for like five <laughs> solid minutes. She was like, what? <laughs> what? So. It was like pride and surprise and just all these feelings. Right. So um, like I said, we're going on vacation um, 
in a couple days. We'll probably, depending on when this comes out, we'll probably be back by the time this comes out, I think, um, or just coming back. But I was like, I just want to like sit on a beach and relax. And I want to read about people who look like me having a good ass time, like <laughs> no one getting beaten, no like, you know. No slaves. You know, there's time and a place when I'm trying to like get my drink on. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the time that I want to hear about, you know, the struggle and how we used to be chattel and, you know, while I'm sipping this frozen drink, I'm gonna be feeling bad. I'm gonna be like, I need to go study prayer. So, I decided to read um, "Insert Groom Here" by K. M. Jackson, which I don't think you were familiar with her, were you? I I did not. No, that was like. Molly introduced me to a new thing and I went and like bought the first book and I was like, ooh. Yeah, it's a, um, because you had talked about that bride quartet, um, Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts. And I was kind of like, well, I don't really, like I said, I want to read about people who look like me, who might have some of the same references as me. Um, and interestingly enough, I was reading, cause I loved like the wedding, the, uh, party planning the Mm -hmm. super girly side of stuff I just I eat that up I I uh, family drama I just love it and I was reading this and I guess I should mention this because it's kind of been interesting um have you heard about Ebony not paying people I think I did there was a whole bunch of like I think Ebony and maybe Blavity mm-hmm. got caught up in some the pay your writer scandal. Mm-hmm. So. And I remember because I had just started following this girl um, because I saw she had something about uh, weddings and she was using like she had a, a racial litmus test um, because I think she lives in Portland. And she said uh, she would say that she wanted the uh, flower wall from Kanye's wedding. And if, if her vendor, person did not if they didn't understand, she said next. And I'm trying to find her name and not her, her, um, well, I think it's Jagger Balik. And I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I remember I was like reading that. I was like, this shit is hilarious. And so I started following her and then like her work on this shit like blew up about, um, uh, people not not paying and I was like holy shit oh, wow. I remember that name and now I'm trying to yeah so I guess a couple of days ago and I'm trying to find the hashtag um but it was just it was very interesting oh I think it's Ebony O's or something well is that right uh yeah so she is basically on a quest to get her money and it was kind of sad too like someone like wrote about it like I think another journalist a male journalist and was like uh uh, just stole all her tweet and re- research and stuff and didn't credit her. So it's like getting it from all ends. Um, but yeah, so I thought that that was interesting, you know, um, that it kind of came full circle. I was looking for kind of some ex- escapism with like party planning. I wanted it to be about black women. That's why I didn't go with the um, the bride quartet. And then, you know, I find this writer. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm getting all into this. And then, you know, racism comes right back around (laughs) so it was like you know and that's you know that's the that's the purpose of racism you can't get away from it right well I hope you still enjoyed it I haven't so I started it I read the first chapter it's really hilarious it's like this girl she wins her dream wedding on uh 
like a Today Show type talk show. And then her her boyfriend's like, I don't want to marry you. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll give it to the next runner up. And she's like, fuck that. I'll have this wedding. We're going to have a reality style show. You're going to find me a groom and we'll get married right here. And they're like, we love it. So it's it's really funny and kind of more lighthearted. So I'm looking, I'm going to read it on the vacation. I'm really looking forward to it. Yay. Well, I had, I started listening to the audible version of Forbidden because I'm weird like that, but what I was reading before when we were doing the bonus episode was, oh, I have to remember the full title because it's like, it's, it's got a lot, but it's, um, by Charlemagne the God from New York, (laughs) the breakfast club. I think anyone who (laughs) listens to us probably knows who Charlemagne is. (laughs) Yeah. And it is black privilege opportunity comes to those who created. And it is like parts inspiring parts, ew and it's like i did the audible version so he narrates it and it's like just his little tidbits on life on how you need to on how you need to grasp opportunity and how do you best reach your potential and it's basically just stuff like take advantage of every opportunity don't don't let self-defeating thought get in your way it's nothing super groundbreaking Mm -hmm. or even super you can probably figure out what most of it is but the way he tells it and the way he explains it is kind of hilarious. Um, it does have its ill moments because I'm not interested in his sexual history and I get way too many more details of that than I care to know. But uh, other than that, it's it's a lot. And it's like, you know what? I don't see how that added to the story. But other than that, it was actually a pretty good listen. I'm debating whether or not I'm keeping it though. Because it's audible so I can, <laughs> so return, can return it. Return and I'm it. like... And I'm like, I haven't made up my mind yet. I got a year. I'll figure it out. But I read it and I listened to it and I was like, huh, I did not know he got punched on video. (laughs) Because I'm not the biggest follower of Charlamagne the God. I only listen to him sometimes. So I did not know that he was punched on a video that was posted on YouTube that went viral. I watched it. It was really fucking hilarious. He gets punched in the head by this guy holding a video camera. He almost gets hit by a car as he stumbles back. Oh, no. And then he runs and he runs away. And he's like really honest about when he describes it. He's like, yeah, I got punched. I nearly got hit. And then I was like, I wasn't going to stand there. There were four goons with a camera punching me in the head. I ran away. Makes sense. So I do appreciate. Yeah, he's really honest. And that's the thing I think I like most that I took most from this book is like how he's like, just always tell the truth because people don't expect you to tell the truth. So when you do, you catch them off guard and then you can never, you can never get in trouble for the most part by telling the truth. So he did do, he did share a hilarious story about how he pissed off Maze when Maze decided he wanted to come back to rapping and pretty much said what we were all thinking. Like, no, you, you can't do that. It's too late. So you can't just go back. You just can't become a pastor and then decide you want to leave that and come back to the rap game. Yeah. No one will take you seriously. I mean, I feel like Chance could. <laughs> Chance the rapper? <laughs> I feel like Chance could be like, I'm just going to go and be like a a middle school math teacher. <laughs> okay, a middle school math teacher is one thing. He went and became like... I could see, I could see Chance going and like becoming a reverend or a deacon. It's like, I'm going to focus on this for a couple of years and then coming back. And I can see Kendrick saying, I'm going to go be a middle school math teacher. Because <laughs> he he looks like the difference is middle school math They're teacher. both good. <laughs> Mace, Mace, unfortunately, was not that good. And he had an annoying voice. 
And he hung around Puff Daddy. Yeah, well. So, that's what I read. I don't know. I'm still reading that sugar book. It's like my, <laughs> it's my, my put down and pick up uh, book. I really fell off and I ate a lot of sugar and then I started reading that again and I was like, no, I got to get this shit together. This stuff's going to kill me. If we could do so, two, I did read um, Bird Box when I was, uh, what's that? It's a horror book. Um, Ooh. It's about like basically uh, uh, people, there's this young girl and she gets, the day she finds out she's pregnant, there are all these kind of stories going around of people murdering like all the people around them and then themselves and they can't quite figure out why and then they find out that it's um people are seeing something and by seeing that something they're driven crazy like homicidally and suicidally like crazy and um so she it goes back and forth between a four-year period between when it just happens and she's pregnant to um, I guess like a present day where she has these two children with her who have been boarded up in this house their whole life and have never seen outside. And for whatever reason, you find out later, she has to get down to a raft. There's a river that goes past the back of the house and she goes to, I guess it's like a canoe or some kind of boat blindfolded with the kids and escape this house all while completely blindfolded. It's really thrilling. The ending is interesting i don't know if it's the direction i kind of would have taken but it's it's definitely interesting but yeah it's just like you know how do you write a horror story where you can't see anything it's kind of the the premise of it and i think it works really well interesting yeah i have been debating about whether or not to read the handmaid's tale again Um, i started watching the hulu show uh it is terrifying i strongly recommend oh yeah even though it's not it's not a feminist story i don't i miss that whole (laughs) Whatever that was. They're like, really, it's a story about everybody. And I'm like, The Handmaid's Tale, though. I feel like, Hmm. I I hope Margaret Atwood heard that. She did respond to it. And she responded just very, like, class, classy. But she was just, it was a little, there's a little shade in her response. Because it was kind of like, The Handmaid's Tale is not a feminist story. Yeah, I heard some rumbling about that, and I was like, I, I don't got time for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, Poussey is in it, right? Yes, Samara Wiley. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's pretty good, and it's just really they sort of expand the world it takes place in, and they sort of show a bit about the world that exists beforehand, mm. so like the current United States. And it's it's I know people say this a lot, but I I'm just gonna repeat it. It's so creepily relevant, mm. and you can just sort of easily. It's terrifying. Easily see how point A leads to point B. And it's just, it's it's creepy. I definitely recommend it. They only have the first three episodes, so I guess they're not doing a Netflix where they release the whole season. Mm-hmm. This makes sense to me, because then you can sell more advertising. They release the first three, and then new episodes will go up on Wednesday. Uh, which I sort of appreciate, because I feel like that's more manageable. I don't want to... The reason I haven't started like Luke Cage is because like the idea of... 14 hours of television or whatever it is it's just intimidating see i love it i'm like i want to watch it now <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm the opposite i'm like let's, let's let's string this out that's why the only shows i'm watching are like underground and now this because they're like we know you need a week to catch up Danielle. Slow. <laughs> right. so we're gonna put this one out you got seven days to watch this 40 minute show can you do it i cannot usually did you see <laughs> netflix got hacked 
I did. They're holding the fifth season of Orange is the New Black, which is fine. I mean, I'm done with Orange is the New Black. I did I think it. I stopped watching it after like the third season. I didn't really care for the last season, but I'm kind of like, okay, you can bootleg it, but probably the quality is not going to be great, right? And it's going to be harder to find it. So might as well just wait the month to watch it when it comes out on Netflix. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not dying to see it, and I'm already paying for Netflix, so... Good job, Hacker, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. I, I heard that they they were... Not that they had released... Well, maybe... I don't know what I heard. I heard that they had had, like... They would not let Netflix release it. Like, they had done something where they had taken away access. Like, some kind of denial of service. I heard that they... And Netflix... That they leaked it. That they were gonna leak it. Because uh, they ended up you, leaking it. I'm just saying, like, I would probably leak, like... Game of Thrones or something. Like, you could probably make... Something that's hard to access. But then yeah. HBO's ass would probably just be like, bitch, here it is. Early. <laughs> Y'all gonna watch this, so here you go. <laughs> we might as well get that traffic. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. I did hear that, and I was like, I'm kind of... I don't think I've seen Orange is the New Black since, like, ha- I only saw, like, maybe the first three episodes of season three, and then I was like, yeah. The first season really- is good. The second season is great. Ever since then, it's been kind of okay. I've always been annoyed about how Piper is a central character, even though she's, like, the most boring character. And so the first season irritated me because I I don't remember her boyfriend's name, but I didn't like him. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about her friend. Yeah, so. Yeah. And now, you know, Puthé is gone. I'm over it. Spoiler. You know someone spoiled that for you? Okay, spoiler alert. But one of my someone spoiled that for me too. So. Yeah, she texted me. She was like, All right, "Have you started Orange Is the New Black?" And I was like, "Yeah, we're we just started the first episode." She's like, "Tragic how Pusey died." <laughs> I was like, damn it! Yeah, and then once it's spoiled, it's like I don't want to watch it now. Yeah. So, well, I think that we've talked about just about everything under the sun, except for what like, our next bonus, is. our next book, and our next bonus topic. Yeah, so guys, we have a dirty secret that we should probably be ashamed of, but I'm like, whatever. <laughs> we have not read Beloved no, by Toni Morrison. We haven't. Because school failed us, we failed ourselves. And we're garbage people. And we're garbage people. I, that is one book for some reason I have been afraid to read because I feel like it's going to break me. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I have a lot of hesitancy to read it because I'm like, it's going to be bad. It's going to hurt me. And I don't know if I'm strong enough to handle it. But now, like, I, we're reading it. So I better get strong enough to handle it. We're going to discuss it next month. Mm-hmm. So and it's, our next episode, yeah. which would, will hopefully be two weeks from when you hear this, right? <laughs> Not the next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. So count, you know, there will be a Wednesday and you won't see us. <laughs> And then there will be another Wednesday and you will see us. Because like I said, I think a couple episodes ago, I do not use the same terminology as everyone else that confuses people. Um, And that will be our bonus episode, which is going to be related. It's going to be what is a book that everyone else has read and you know you should have read it, but you have not read it. And why? Yeah. Clearly ours is beloved. Yes. Because I feel like if you are a black woman reader, that is the first book you should have read mm-hmm. and you failed. But we're fixing we're it. We're fixing and it. That's what this that's what 2017 is about. Blacker right? than ever. Fixing all our fixing all our F ups and being blacker than ever. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
Okay, so um, as always, you can find us on the internet. Um, our Twitter is Black Chick Lit. Our Instagram is BCL Podcast. And our email address is black, contact at blackchicklit.com. Poor Molly thought it was. I Gmail. thought it was a Gmail. I was trying to log <laughs> in. I was like, ah. <laughs> And Gmail was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was trying to set up the Instagram and everything. And we're like, this is not an email. <laughs> I was like, ah. So, yes. We are, you are always welcome to email questions, comments, concerns, mm-hmm. thoughts. And just let us know at black chick, at contact at blackchicklit.com. We are thinking of relatively, maybe with the one year mark, doing a survey. Mm-hmm. I think that would help us improve our product if we know... What, what do you like? What's a good link? What kind of books do you wish we'd talk about? What do you wish we'd stop talking about? Just a survey and about from listeners on what you think. And even what, what sh- you like about what we're doing. What you're reading, what you- too, at the end of the year, I think yeah. we talked about. But we'll get into that more in the second half of the year, which is coming up. Um, yeah, it's already April. It's already May. It's already May. When you're listening to this, we're, like, we're in May, <laughs> even though it's yeah. April right now. It's like April 30th, less than six hours from now, it'll be May. Yeah. So. My rinse is due. <laughs> Adult problem. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Okay. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you soon. Adios. Bye. Bye.